Today we are talking about the second episode in Worldview Changes Everything, the series on Right Now Media. We hope that you're going through that with your MC or your small group. Um, I'm Amanda. We have Renault as always, and today we have a special guest, Josh Taylor. Hello. He's one of the pastors here at Mosaic, and we're really glad to have him in the conversation and today. And FYI, I'm going to work diligently to constantly try to disrupt Amanda's extreme <laughs> precision by which she is so good at, just to see if I can have some fun. This is going to be we great. We love having you on, Amanda. <laughs> it's one of yeah. our favorite things. Awesome. Who doesn't love having Amanda on? Go. Yeah. Post your comments. All the comments. Um, so today, you ready to jump in? We're going to talk about our worldview and other people's worldviews and how to have some conversations. Awesome. Awesome. Ready. Ready. In this episode, that was episode two, John Stone Street states that it's tough to put people in categories, but that we can put ideas in categories. And ideas matter. One idea leads to another, and that can shape a person's worldview. Uh, would you share your thoughts about the importance and impact? Yeah, you know, this is, uh, I really enjoyed the video from this week. Um, Partly because it was short, and I like short videos, um, but partly because in that short video, um, John covered a, a fairly broad scope of ideas and thoughts. And in this very first couple of seconds of the video, he made a couple of these statements that in of themselves actually have so much in them. And one mm -hmm. of them was that though we can't and shouldn't categorize people, we can and should categorize belief systems or ideas because that's a point. So I, I, I always often say that somebody's behaviors or somebody's ideas, mm -hmm. I have all the right in the world to judge. The person themselves, their motives, why they're doing it, I, I don't. I can't know the heart. I can't right. know what's behind it. I can't know all of that. And so more often than not, we tend to judge in the motives and we tend to judge in the why behind and we shouldn't do that. But then if we're judging an idea or we're judging mm -hmm. a behavior, then we're told don't judge that person. I'm like, no, mm -hmm. I'm not. I'm, I'm not. They have an idea, and there's either truth to it or not, and it is my, um, my, my privilege and my duty as another human being, as it is theirs toward me, to explore these ideas, because if we are all pursuers of truth, which we ought to be, then we ought to give each other the gift of challenging and exploring one another's ideas. Mm -hmm. And if we're gonna do that, then it means we have to categorize these ideas. You have a set of ideas that you believe in. Those ideas have a particular set of implications, and I want to know what they are, and then I want to explore them and challenge them, just as I hope you want to know what mine are, and that you're going to explore and challenge mine, so yeah. that we together can move toward truth. So I, I love that John said that we categorize by ideas. That's okay. That's not judgment. That's good human pursuit of truth. Yep. Josh? Well, I think two things, just to piggyback on what you're saying, two things that make it a little bit complicated is, number one, uh, one of the ideas or worldviews that is pretty prevalent today is, does truth even exist? Can we know mm -hmm. truth? Is it, you know, <clears throat> and that makes it extremely complicated. Yeah. Um, but secondly, um, do we um, have the um, ability to, number one, find it, um, but then I totally lost my train of thought on the second thing. I do it all the time. Don't worry about it. <laughs> It'll come back anyway. to you, and when it does, Lunch Hour with Renault is designed for interruptions. <laughs> interruptions, so yes. It works out really well. So anyway, truth, uh, does truth exist is a, is a really important question. Oh, the second thing 
is not everybody understands that they have a worldview and that they are seeing through that worldview, mm-hmm. through yep. those lenses. And so, so you can have a conversation and there's a lot of things that are informing the things that they are saying that they don't even know are informing them. They're all subconscious. And, that's right. And so that makes it very difficult. And that's where I think... As and and I think the, that's also, last week we talked uh, a bunch about the idea that everyone does have a worldview mm-hmm. and that that worldview is the lens through which you determine the other things, not so much what you believe, but what causes you to believe the way you do. And so I do think one of the uh, important things in this journey through this series for us as a church is to recognize that we have a worldview, to discover what that is and where it shapes either biblically or not biblically, Mm -hmm. and then to recognize other people do and to help them recognize that. Uh, And so, you know, how, how do we journey into that? But I do think how we determine truth, if we can start with there is a worldview that was shaped by your external and internal experiences. It may or may not be true, but it is your worldview and it determines how you experience and express things in the rest of the world. It makes worldview so important because if our worldview is misplaced, then everything else is colored wrongly. And if our worldview is placed well, then everything else is colored rightly. So it does come down to this. So how do we explore our own personal worldview and then how do we explore other people's worldviews without it seeming arrogant or ridiculous. Sure. And that's really what the video that we watched this week was all is all about. Yep. Yeah. Um, John also said in the video that our beliefs have feet, which is kind of what you're saying. They, they go right. with us. They have impact. Um, what are some Christian beliefs that you've seen like displayed in a way that comes out through actions and thoughts based on our Christian beliefs? That's a, that's a, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> You know, I, I think uh, what we started learning last week in the video and then certainly this week and in the weeks to come is that our um, belief system, our worldview is going to have implications. It's going to have consequences, as John put it. Mm-hmm. Um, and those consequences sometimes will be in the much larger categories of life and sometimes they'll be in the simplest, smallest categories of life. If we pick a larger category of life, one of the things he actually mentions in this video that we watched this week is the way that the human value system will function, yeah. right? So, so if, if I believe as a worldview that uh, humanity, a human being, is the product um, of a process of evolutionary accidental, and I, I use accidental in a scientific uh, world, not like right. uh, I'm trying to make a point religiously, but mm-hmm. this, this process of here we are, then because we are um, uh, creatures, that have the intelligence to recognize that there must be value, if, 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 our, if our worldview is not a biblical worldview, then what we will end up doing is we will, we will need to a- assign value from an external source. Right. And the only external source we know that has intelligence along with us is other humans. Mm-hmm. So now one human will determine value externally for another human because there's nothing internal to give us value because we are just the consequence of a right. process of the the evolutionary realities. Yep. So we find that in our world that constantly humans mm-hmm. are devaluing and valuing other humans based on their own uh, yep. opinions or positions. If on the other hand, to answer your question, we come to understand the biblical view of creation and now we understand not just creation, that there was a creator supernaturally that created, but that there was purpose in this creator's creating mm-hmm. and that that purpose is revealed in scripture. So now we know the purpose of humanity in Adam and Eve to bear image. Then we understand sin in the fall. 
and we understand redemption in the work of Jesus, and we understand then mercy and love, that creates value. Then we understand our value isn't just in our utilitarian purpose, he created us to do something, but our value is relational. He not only created us to do or be something, but he did something for us and is something for us in this redemptive process. Then the whole totality of the gospel in both our creation, fall, and redemption says to us, what makes you valuable is this worldview understanding and clarity you have of your purpose and creation. Well, then that changes in every way the way I now encounter and experience and think of other humans, Mm -hmm. regardless of their age, regardless of their ethnicity, regardless of their language, regardless of their, their economic status, being a human with a biblical worldview that I have, any other human now has intrinsic internal value because of what I know to be true versus whatever value I choose to give them as one intelligent being to yeah. another. Right. So that would be an example of something really big. But also, adding to that behavior as well. Oh man, you know? yes. Like, yeah, no question. I don't can... prefer the way that person's personality is, or I don't approve of their behavior. Yes. They still have value. They still have value. Yeah. That's because right. Because I'm not the one who gets to say if they're valuable or not. God right. has already said that. Yeah. yeah. So they may be, to your point exactly, Amanda. They may be behaving in a manner that is outside of what I understand to be moral or the mm-hmm. or the worldview hold, but that doesn't change their value. Mm -hmm. So I can behave toward them with a great deal of acceptance and love in their value system, even though I may be categorizing or challenging behaviors or belief systems, right? Mm -hmm. And this is what we do so poorly in our society. Behaviors and belief systems automatically equate to rejection or acceptance of you as a person, but a correct biblical worldview of creation eliminates that possibility. Mm-hmm. Josh, you... Yeah, I mean, we could spend five lunch hours just talking yes, about the value can. problem mm-hmm. in, yes. in and of itself. But, I mean, if, if anybody experienced the, the real estate market crash in 2008, you saw homes that were worth $500,000 one day and $200,000 a week later. And then a, a $20 and, a week later. <laughs> and so, so when we get our value from anything other than God um, and the fact that he declared we were worth dying for on the cross then what happens is that value is going to constantly be a roller coaster and there's going to be ups and downs and and when somebody likes me I feel good and when somebody doesn't like me I feel bad and that is a disaster of a way to live life and 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 you know as a pastor having an opportunity to walk through really tough you know marriage counseling situations and things like that so many uh communication problems and and things that reveal themselves in an ugly way in, in all of our relationships, but especially in marriage, have to do with where we get our value from. And there is nobody on the planet that has the ability to um, cause me to question my own values than my incredible wife. And, yeah. so, and so the things that she, you know, it can be a tone of voice, it can be an expression, it can be just a look on her face, and all of a sudden I feel like I'm the worst human being on the planet. She didn't do anything, it's just me constantly needing to remember that Jesus died for me, that I'm worth dying for. And and so we have to constantly preach the gospel to each other and to ourselves, as we always say here yep. at Mosaic. Yep. So. Mm-hmm. yep. And I think then, too, that it translates into everyday world as well, right? The way that I interact and behave in my relational dynamics, whether it be in a friendship or in a marriage relationship, a parent-child relationship, 
if I have a biblical worldview and an understanding of who God is and how he dictates and understands the way I ought to live toward freedom, even my definition of freedom is shaped by scripture, right. then the way I'm going to behave in my dailiness is going to be utterly different, right? Yeah. So, so it's funny, even as people who are Christians, followers of Jesus, if our understanding of freedom is more humanly driven than biblically driven, then our relationship with God and one another changes. I need to try to do these things in order to have these things versus a different standard. Or why are you holding me back from those fun things that seem so free? Why are these the rules? Mm -hmm. So even our definition of life, light, and freedom, when it is a biblical conclusion versus a experiential or internal human conclusion, changes the way I behave toward the people in my life. Mm-hmm. So then you can start listing out a thousand different behaviors. I, I often joke about <laughs> the fact that if I just hadn't encountered the gospel, then there's multiple decisions I have made that have cost me a great deal in my life yeah. that I wouldn't have made right. because they're, they're idiotic outside <laughs> of the mission no of question. scripture, right? No and so even my family unit as mm-hmm. it exists today, most of the reasons my family unit exists the way it does is because of the clarity I gained from a biblical worldview and a biblical calling. So, so much. I mean, really, I would say almost (laughs) everything is determined by what what our worldview belief system is from a biblical perspective. The, the, The question then becomes, and I think this is where we go next in this video too, is when uh, I have unknown belief systems within me in my worldview, that I haven't measured against scripture mm-hmm. and I'm functioning out of them. I always find those by seeing a behavior in my life that mm-hmm. I question like, why am I doing this or thinking this or believing this? Right. When I, 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 if I think about it, this shouldn't, this isn't congruent with what I know to be true. Something in my worldview system is either flawed, right. missing or I'm ignoring. Yep. And then it, it forces me to have to go back to worldview. So. Yeah. When you measure, you mentioned uh, measuring this off of Scripture as our kind of authority, as our ground zero, so to speak. And you know, even within Christianity, there are many worldviews that, and so theology plays such a huge role yep. in all of that. And, yep. and you know, making sure that we rightly divide the Word of God and that we approach it humbly and allow other people to speak into our lives yep. and all of those things. So yep. it's crucial. Yeah, it's crucial. Yeah, and I think for. Christians, it can be difficult to connect our thought or idea um, to remember to go back to the word and test it and approve it there. And then for people who aren't believers or have no faith in the Bible, like where are they testing their ideas and their concepts? They're so impacted. I mean, we as Christians are so impacted by the world around us, but we have a a measuring stick of the Bible. And people who aren't, it's just wide open. Yep. And, and this, this really gets into um, a very important space as we continue through these couple of weeks and why even at Mosaic we chose to take our whole church and say, let's walk through this mm-hmm. reality of worldview. Because I think, and we talked a bit about this last week, the bombardment of information that is thrown at us mm-hmm. and the obsession we have to go and seek out information via all of the uh, levels. So whether it be through our entertainment processes, the things we watch on Netflix that we call entertainment, but is shaping belief systems Mm -hmm. or the social media spaces where we are drawing our information or news or opinions from. Even as Christians, if we equate the amount of time we spend (laughs) listening to, studying, 
reading yeah. or, or being in relationship about the Word of God. Mm -hmm. And then the amount of time we spend gleaning information and being shaped by the culture around us. Mm -hmm. I would begin to argue that the chances our worldview will be deeply skewed. And when we do need to adjust, we wouldn't even know where to begin because we spend three and a half minutes in a devotional that was written mm -hmm. for us with one verse in scripture and then come and listen to preaching on a Sunday. If that is the primary extent of our engagement in studying and understanding the word of God, then, then it is no wonder that even as Christians, our worldview is going to be extremely difficult yeah. to really uh, determine its <clears throat> biblical foundation or right. not. So th that is a very important space yeah. if we're going to solidify, understand, and clarify our own personal um, worldviews. Yeah, and I think a bit of a humbling thing to do, just to piggyback off of that, is to actually look at the little iPhone screen time thing that you have. And, <laughs> and that <laughs> and doesn't it, include Netflix on the TV. Even, right, you know, exactly. So. And if it says five hours on Facebook and zero hours on your, you know, your scripture app, that's, that's probably yeah. an <laughs> indication that your worldview is being impacted and you don't even realize it's that, happening. That's exactly so. right. And I think uh, as we enter into this space of this video, that's probably its primary space is how we interact with other people's worldviews. Mm -hmm. The reason this discussion starts here with a lot about our own worldview mm -hmm. is that I think oftentimes at the point that we are going into a discussion in a space where somebody else has a differing worldview, because we have so little clarity of our own worldview, mm -hmm. We go into these discussions not only the wrong way, which we'll discuss in a minute how we enter them, yeah. uh, because Christians tend to want to answer before they listen, but we go in with a lack of clarity of our own personal worldview. Mm -hmm. So everything we're about to talk about now in terms of how we interact with other people, yeah. I would suggest, I think we would all three suggest, these questions, these challenges that you're going to bring to the table to somebody else to challenge their worldview, let's make sure... We have asked all of those questions mm -hmm. of ourself first right. to say, Renault, mm -hmm. where do you get <clears throat> that from? Renault, why do you think that? Renault, how do you know that? What if mm -hmm. you're wrong? And actually go yeah. explore the answers to those for ourselves yeah. so that we have a clarity. I think that's what uh, the scripture meant when it said, you know, have, a, have an answer mm -hmm. for what you, but we'll get to that. <laughs> I'm getting ahead of the game here. Yeah, that's great. So um, in the video, John explained that disbelief in God often comes from a personal story that mm. we can better discover from people as they're sharing um, by asking questions rather than giving answers. Mm. So the four questions he proposed that we could use are, how do you know that's true? What do you mean by that? What if you're wrong? And when did you come to that conclusion? So I'm wondering if you've used those questions or other questions and how that kind of method has gone as you've discussed, you know, complicated issues with people. Absolutely. And I, I know Josh is going to have much to say about yeah. that interaction <laughs> because Josh uh, not only is gifted and passionate about sharing truth and the gospel with others. I think one of his spiritual gifts is in that space of evangelism, mm -hmm. um, but he does it extremely well and has studied it a great deal. So I'm excited to hear uh, from him. Before we jump into that space, something else in that question, when I read it first, just absolutely strikes me because it's so true in my experience. And this mm -hmm. is important for us to know as we enter discussions with people's worldview, right? Uh, John's assessment is that most of us, if not all, that our worldview is shaped in part by some personal experience or mm -hmm. story, right? So the downside of that, let me just make sure that I'm clear on this because so several of my friends 
who are very, very astute students and intellectual, have intellectual prowess, are offended when we say you don't believe in God because of some personal event that took place in your life before. And they would say, mm. no, I've actually studied this and I actually... And so what we're not saying is anyone that doesn't believe in God isn't thinking. Anyone that doesn't believe in God just has some personal tragedy and therefore they don't. That is a narrow view. But everyone's worldview, including their belief or understanding of God, is shaped by personal experiences. There's no doubt about that. So my favorite was um, last night, and Amanda hasn't finished watching this, so I won't give much away. Uh, (laughs) This is us. Have you gotten to the part in the chapel yet? Um, Where the two pass each other by in the chapel? Yes. You you saw that. But I think just that's... That, 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 they go more into it. I have no, 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 no. They don't go more into it. No, no, they don't go more into it. I'm going to give Everyone's nothing away. Everyone's going to be so mad at you. No, no, no. You know what? You should have watched by now. It's oh, This Is no. Us. It's been on for a day and a half. It's already on Hulu. I'm so sorry, but this is because you are but not the I'm, boss of I'm, when we I'm watch gonna, TV. Yeah, but, but maybe they were doing their MC last night in the words. Maybe I should have watched this morning. Oh, just saying, this is important stuff. So, anyways, um, this won't give anything away. Uh, that's really, really important. <laughs> But one of the things I loved is um, the Jack, um, the, the dad. He's in the hospital with his th- three triplets being born. One, of course, that we know died. This is not news. If you didn't know that, you have not been watching this series. Um, and uh, he asks the nurse, what should I do? And she says, you should go pray. So he goes into the chapel mm. and he has this conversation with God that I just absolutely loved because it tied to this very question. Mm-hmm. He basically said to God, I, I sat in church next to my dad and his dad was very abusive, verbally mm-hmm. and emotionally abusive and even mm-hmm. physically abusive. And he said, I watched my dad pray and, and I prayed that God would make my dad a better man. And he never answered that prayer. Mm-hmm. And, and basically since then I've stopped praying, but I'm kind of mm-hmm. back in this moment because I'm in crisis. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be, and he even says so beautifully, I bet you're laughing at the fact that there's still something in me that believes despite all of that. So he has this very Mm. skewed understanding of God. But what I love about it is that skewed understanding of God comes out of a deep personal encounter Mm -hmm. with the realities of planet death and God and not being able to reconcile those. Most people that have a, a worldview that includes some opposition toward religious or, uh, supernatural spaces, uh, it doesn't, it's not just born out of an intellectual study. It includes legitimate like incongruencies in their experience and what all this is saying. So we just have to understand, why do I say that? When you're coming into a discussion with someone's worldview, it's personal. Like you have to go in saying, this is personal. It's personal to me and it's personal to the person I'm talking to. And if we think it's just intellectual, then we will handle those conversations without care and without grace mm-hmm. And we will handle them as though the goal is to create rightness instead of to create uh, a clarity that leads to life, light, and freedom. So with that all said, (laughs) now we're entering into a conversation with someone that has an opposing or different worldview than we do. We Christians typically like rolling in with answers, have an answer for everything that's in you. So tell me what you're going to tell me. I'm not even really listening. Mm. I'm just ready to give you some reasons why you should believe. This is not a super helpful starting point because it's personal, because it's deeper than that. So Josh, um, how have you found with the questions that John laid out or ones like it, uh, that that works in? Yeah. 
gosh, we could talk about this forever, but I would say that, you know, we tend to, when we tell the gospel story, hanging on four pegs, right? Creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. Mm-hmm. Um, creation, redemption, and restoration are truths that we get from scripture, but then fall is really kind of what's happening in that peg, if you will, is helping other people to understand their need for God. And that's where it gets tricky. Um, <clears throat> and so when, if, if somebody is a self-made millionaire, then they feel like they don't need God because they, like, um, it, I can do this on my own, I don't need God. And, and there's all kinds of experiences that shape that reality for people. And so this is where I think it's so crucial to come in asking questions and not giving answers. And so, you know, I've been in the restaurant business over 30 years. And, you know, if I roll up to a table and I go into this luscious description of this steak dish that we're featuring and all this kind of stuff, and then all of a sudden the table's, you know, just looking at me with a blank stare and they're all vegans, right? Well, I've just completely wasted my time doing that. Instead of help understanding what are their likes and interests and and feelings and all this kind of stuff, and then I can tailor the experience to what's going on Mm. with them. So Mm. it's not that we necessarily are changing truth, uh, but Paul said, I became all things to all people so that some might be saved. And so understanding where people are and understanding where their experiences um, have been is huge to processing this worldview. Because again, not everybody understands that they have a worldview, mm-hmm. that they don't necessarily understand that it's shaping the things that they do. And yet there were very intentional decisions that they made um, to create that worldview through their experiences. Mm-hmm. And so, <clears throat> so I, for me, it, it's not necessarily about those four questions, I would say, but just getting to know somebody yeah. and asking questions about their experience. Tell me about you. Tell me about, you know, all of these things. And, and that does two things that I think are really important. Number one, the old adage is absolutely positively true that if people don't, uh, people, what is it? Uh, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, right? So yeah. mm-hmm. asking questions does one thing right off the bat as it says, I care about you, right? And scripture says, be quick to listen and slow to speak, right? Well, we ought to actually do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so ask questions like, well, tell me more about that. And then, you know, there's a, a negotiating technique that, that police will often use where, you know, somebody will make a statement and, and you, somebody says karma, right? And I say, well, karma, tell me about that, right? You know, just just repeat it back to them, parrot it back to them, and then they'll piggyback off and start to unpack that more. Well, that tells you a whole bunch more. And then there's questions that you can ask off of what they say then. And so uh, at the end of the day, you've got really good information about how to um, understand what their need for God is that you can then lovingly and gently yeah. press into. Um, but then <clears throat> it again communicated to them that, hey, I love you, I care about you, and I'm not just here to make a sale. And, and you know, I think this is so good, Josh. I love the, I, I love the illustration in the restaurant where I'm, I'm laying out the entire thing on a great steak, but I'm talking to somebody that's vegan. Right. And this happens constantly, right? We make assumptions mm-hmm. about each other by single statements. We've yep. probably perhaps in, in my lifetime never lived in a space more especially triggered. in the political world. Oh my yeah. gosh, in, in everything right yeah. now, but especially the <laughs> political world. So this isn't only a discussion about um, a gospel reality versus the world's reality. It is any belief system shaped by the worldview that is a biblical worldview versus any belief system shaped by a worldview that isn't or any disagreement within worldviews. So politics is a great example of that, depending on where I land in my political affiliations, I will have a very different view of what is good for the nation, what is good Mm -hmm. for the world, right? If I am a Christ follower, 
within each of my affiliations, I'm gravitating toward the parts that feel like gospel, yep. and I'm trying to tolerate the parts that don't, because in both sides of the coin, there are parts that lean into gospel clarities and parts that don't, right? right. So some would say, this entire world is gospel, and this entire world is demonic, and I'm like, that's not actually true. Right. So what would it be like if we were able to enter into dialogues with somebody that had an opposing worldview than we did or an opposing belief system in any category. Yeah. And our attitude toward that person was what you just described. I'm going in, my attitude is I care about you more than I care about what you believe or what you don't believe. Two, mm -hmm. I'm interested in what you believe and why, so I've got questions I really want to explore. I'm not exploring with an agenda <clears throat> to try to just give you, extract more information to sell you a steak. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm actually curious and interested but I'm also care enough about what I know to be true that I'm not just going to ask and leave. I'm going to ask, I'm going to challenge, and then I'm going to share and express. Huh. Not as an act of trying to convince you otherwise, because that's my, not my human job, but as an act of relational care. Like I said early on, if we two humans are in the pursuit of truth, we should be responsible enough to challenge one another's system. Right. I just watched a dialogue online between two very well-known um, teachers and preachers. And one wrote a letter, political, and then the other responded, political, and that yeah. one's responding now. And it's beautiful to watch. <clears throat> Deep respect for each other. Yeah. Beauty in the way they take care of how they're saying things. Um, affirming one another's spaces in even disagreements of belief. Mm -hmm. And I'm seeing all the comments. This is how we should do it. Why can't? <laughs> and it's so obvious. It's yeah. like, man, can we not engage with each other right. in this? And I think that this John is doing a great <clears throat> job in this video, yep. challenging us, whether in a religious conversation mm -hmm. or whether in a political conversation or whether in a, a life and relational conversation, right. come in with a value system in this person, with a respect for them, with a desire to challenge. We did yeah. a um, series, what was it called again, Amanda? Carrying the Gospel. Carrying the Gospel. Yeah. Um, it's on our, our website, and we traveled through sort of stages that matter when you're engaging with someone in a Gospel conversation. Yeah. But this really applies in, in any category, mm -hmm. right? And, and there were four primary steps we took. The first was active kindness, and that's what you were saying. They should know that I care before they will care about what I know, right? Mm -hmm. And and and. And in that act of kindness one, we talk a lot about not just be actively kind as an agenda. Yep. We've got to be actively kind in yeah. order to convince them. Right. Actually mm. be kind because you're kind. Right. Because Jesus was kind. Yep. So we're not kind to win someone over. We're mm -hmm. kind because they deserve our kindness, right. right? Then active listening. You said it. Before you start opening your mouth and assuming, why don't you learn and listen? Yep. Then active wondering, and that's where John's stuff comes into play. Mm -hmm. I've listened to you now. You've shared your opinion, your thoughts, your conclusions, your belief systems. Now I'm I'm wondering with you. Where, where did you where did you get that from? Right. Why why do you believe that? Yep. Uh, have you ever thought about the possibility that that might be wrong? Yeah, I've thought about the possibility that what I think might be wrong. Right. So John's questions, just so you know, from from my vantage point come into play when you've built some relationship, mm -hmm. yep. when you've, so you've been kind, where you've done some active listening, just extracting what do you believe, what is karma, and then a bit of challenging, that's the wondering part. And after that, we put the fourth category, sharing. Mm -hmm. Well, here's what I believe, and here's why, <clears throat> and here's 
where right. I got that. And if we can offer the same answers and the same categories of questions we've asked them, then they know the questions I'm challenging your belief system with, I have already challenged my belief system with. Yeah. And I'm right. even open to discovering new truth that will shape my belief system, just as I hope you are. Right. Now we're having a dialogue. Yeah. And folks, in an environment that is so charged and triggering and political and insane and opinionated and social media rised and everything else, we, it, it is never more important, in my opinion, than now for us to have a biblical attitude in our discussions with opposing opinions and worldviews. Mm -hmm. And that's what John, I think, is helping us gain. So, Yeah, huge. Yeah. Um, so Cameo is with us today, and she said, she brought up the method, I guess it's called sharing Christ without fear, and it has a lot to do with heaven and hell. And basically, do you believe in a literal heaven and hell? And where do you think you'll go when you die? And this concept for me just brings up um, really listening and knowing where someone is. So if someone has just gotten a, a terminal diagnosis, then those questions might be really relevant to them. That's maybe the top of what's going on in their mind. And if someone is just living their life and it happens to be an election year, then that's what's going on in their mind. And right. if something you know, tragic has happened personally and they're just in need of comfort, you yeah. know, so it's really uh, that active listening and the caring um, before the information becomes important is vital. Yes. Well, I think Go, Josh. Uh, being patient is, is mm -hmm. so all the steps that you just talked about, they may not all take place in the one lunch, one hour lunch meeting that you have with somebody. Yes. Yeah. It may be 20 lunches yes. that you've had with this person. And then yes. finally, now you're getting into some, some of this other, these other things. And, and again, it, people can smell an agenda a mile away. Mm -hmm. And if you come in there rolling in and you're asking questions and it's obvious that you're only asking questions to catch them in their answers, then they're going to notice that. We, yeah. we, we, we notice those things. So, yeah. um, so as to her question, I would say, uh, is she asking, um, like, she was more just what sharing. do we think yeah. about that? Or what do we think about that approach to sharing the gospel? As she was saying that that might not be the best approach, but sometimes yeah. there is usefulness so, in those questions. So there's a time and a space, right? Sure. Right. Um, so one of my daughters, also gifted in evangelism, you know, um, she uh, has this beautiful, simple confidence that she rolls into conversations mm -hmm. and she just rolls in right direct, right? <laughs> and, and I want to tell her whenever she tells me a story, this week, literally she did it. So uh, for those of you that know Fitzy, uh, you know, she, she comes to me this week and she goes, Dad, um, somebody uh, prayed to receive Jesus on the trail uh, with me this week. And I'm like, oh, tell me about that. So she's walking down the trail and she walks past this person also walking down the trail and senses from God, you should go talk to them. So she goes up to them and Fitzy's awesome. kind of style is this. <laughs> um, do, do, you, you know, do you know where you're going to go when you die? Kind of, kind of right. launch in. <laughs> and I, I, I have this visceral response to that. Where I'm like, no, don't, don't know. You've got to actively listen first and yeah. have conversations and, and gain. Well, this person was in a moment in their life where that line of questioning hit uh, in the right place. And right. Fitzy's so sweet, you pretty much feel like you just have to answer her <laughs> questions. They got into a conversation, and at the eventual end of this conversation on the trail was that the person was like, you know what, I, I, I do. Now, they probably 
uh, fall into a category of people that what the Bible would say, that the soil had been tilled by somebody else, the, sure. the plants, the seeds had been planted, that the, they're ready to harvest, if you right. will. And Fitzy happened to encounter them at a harvest point, which it seemed the Spirit of God kind of told her, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's time. My daughter listens well in those spaces sometimes. So, um, but I would say that out of the unique experience where God does that and kind of says, jump in, where we ought to have that uh, line of questioning ready, because it ultimately does come down to, do you, is there an afterlife? Mm -hmm. Because if there's not, the reason we ask that question is not to say, where are you going to go when you die? It actually comes back to creation and the order and a worldview. If your answer is there's no afterlife, what you're saying is, there's no purpose in creation. Mm-hmm. We're just a consequence of things. So it gives you an immediate worldview space, right? So that is a good question to ask. Generally, I would say, in normal relational dynamics, the process of exploring, listening, learning, engaging and challenging, and then sharing is, is your better way. Partly because we were probably 30, 40 years ago, 20 even maybe, in more of an apologetic kind of space mm-hmm. in our culture where it was more of a let's talk answers and questions. Uh, apologetics is the defense of the faith. But we are now in much more of an experiential cultural space. Mm. So you coming to me and starting with do you go to heaven or hell, my first thing I'm going to do is think of three YouTube videos that I watch preachers on the street do this and I'm going to know immediately what you're up to. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, mm. You're trying to convert me. And my immediate response is going to be, I know I have to be defensive, and this person has an agenda. Whereas I'd say 20 years ago, that was not necessarily the immediate trigger. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know, (laughs) the amount of access we have to information, information isn't our problem. See, 20 or 30 years ago, you just didn't know a lot of this stuff. So one person Mm -hmm. encounters you, asks a few questions, and you're like, what? Mm -hmm. But now you've heard 20 horrid versions on YouTube about this. And so we have to enter in relationally at a new level because information is not what's lacking. Relationship is what's lacking. And so they have access to information, they meaning all of us humans, but they don't have access to relationship. And I would argue that with the amount of information we have access to, it is diminished relationship. We all know this. We we are online more. We are separated more. Our our human relationships are social media oriented versus live. Mm -hmm. So when you can relationally engage with someone, what John is saying, and have a a valuable discussion caring for the person, that is actually a space that in of itself, just the experience itself earns a certain level of clarity that this person cares about me. So I would say... These, these things are uh, certainly valuable, mm-hmm. but shouldn't be the general first rounder, mm-hmm. unless you're on the trail and the Spirit of God <laughs> says, talk to that person. Right. Um, to piggyback on that, you, you mentioned active listening and relationships, and there is no more important relationship that we have than our relationship with the Holy Spirit. And Paul says to pray without stopping, right? Well, that mm-hmm. probably means that most of our prayer should be about listening rather than talking. And we, when we roll into those conversations with an agenda, with a canned uh, spiel, if you will, um, I think that you're going to end up tripping over your own words. But if you roll into that space, understanding, and here's what's really, really cool about our walk with God, is that it's never a dull moment. Evangelism is never about me rolling in with a canned approach. It's about listening actively to the Spirit of God. And what's so cool to me is that 
the Spirit of God knows this other person better than they know themselves. And I have access to the Spirit of God that knows them, right? So mm-hmm. the Spirit of God can give me incredible insight and has into what's going on in their heart. And so what's so fun to me is I've been in, in evangelism situations and conversations where I got in, insight and discernment into this other person's reality that I know didn't come from me. And so, mm-hmm. and then it's just asking, ask them this, right? Well, if, if the Spirit of God tells you to ask them about heaven and hell, then you ask them about heaven and hell. But if the Spirit of God asks them about, hey, how's your job going? Then you do that too. And so, um, so I think, you know, some, in some sense, evangelism is a bit like playing music where in the very beginning of kind of learning how to do it, you memorize what somebody else has gone to play. Right. But then as you, as you memorize a bunch of those other things, you've kind of developed a toolkit, if you will, that you can then pull from and, you know, and now you're adding and you're creating your own music. Right. Well, I Mm -hmm. think that's where we need to get in the space of evangelism is not just going in, rolling in with a canned spiel, but then, and that's not necessarily bad because you're going to, you're going to learn some things. You're going to mess up. You're going to realize how that, you know, messed up and why that didn't work. And, and so those things are really helpful as you kind of begin that learning that process. But the more that you can roll into that space, actively listening to the spirit of God, actively listening to the other person, and then using the wisdom that God gives you. And in James, it says, you know, if, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask and it, it will be given to you. And don't doubt that he's going to give it to you. Like, like ask for wisdom in the situation. And then whatever thoughts begin to roll in, like trust that the spirit of God's actually speaking mm-hmm. to you and, right. and use it. And, and now in this, if this, everything you just described is how we should roll into any conversation with any human mm-hmm. to discover what their worldview is right. and see if it is aligned or opposed to the biblical worldview and then begin the journey of exploring that. Right. You just laid out this awesome, uh, sensitive to the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. receptive to listening to him with a knowledge of a biblical worldview, clarity of scripture, able to jump in with multiple practices from all these spaces. And I think I kind of sit back and I'm like, uh, how do I listen to the Holy Spirit? What, what, what do I need to know sure. in the Bible? Yeah. So what this brings <laughs> us back to is, and this is a big part of this discussion for the weeks yeah. to come and last week is, all of this uh, foundationally sets on our own personal clarity mm-hmm. of what we know to be true and our own personal relationship in the abiding realities yep. of Christ and, and the Holy Spirit in us. So if I haven't learned to trust the Holy Spirit's voice in me and know enough of the word of God for him to speak through the word, right. then I'm certainly not going to suddenly learn that in my first conversation with a person. So right. uh, the importance of my own personal journey with God being founded in some time, energy, and study of God's word and being founded in some learning through discipleship to uh, listen to the leading of the spirit through the word of God. If I don't have those things in play already, then coming into any conversation, I come in limited. Now, it doesn't mean I can't share the gospel because the gospel has simplicity, but the nuance of this beautiful free journey of sharing our clarities of truth, biblical worldview with others comes with some 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 right. work right yeah. and so again that's why i think it's so important on on two fronts one we must understand our worldview and be studious in it and be sensitive to the holy spirit so we must learn to abide well we must understand that other people's worldview v- views are personal so we need to come in with gentleness and care and not agenda and truth mm-hmm. right. and that's what john is trying to tell us come in as an explorer not as a uh, 
a person to convert or mm -hmm. convince somebody else. Right. Yep. And then we will see a great value um, yeah. begin to unfold. Uh, Obi Diaz sent a question. He said... I don't want to answer that question. <laughs> Can't wait to hear what Obi's time's up. Yeah. Oh, we're out of time. Obi, we're kidding. Relax yourself. So we're to be Obi salt. and them are in the middle of a cool, cool story, which I'm not going to get oh. into now, but pray for Obi and them. So cool, so awesome. Yes. So excited. Maybe a future story to share. Future story to share. Um, we're supposed to be salt and light, but what about over-salting a conversation? Ah, we just had this conversation, <laughs> Tricky Me. Ah. I love that story. We, we were just talking He's like, everybody this. needs to hear that. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> uh, you're awesome. Uh, so actually, um, you know, it's funny because Obi and I were talking this, this last week, um, and Obi is so passionate and so sure. just absolutely thrilled to have other people discover the gospel. And so he asked me the question, like, what if I'm like, overly zealous like I'm like <laughs> over salting and he used that like I'm just like pouring salt on and, and I and I what, I what I said to Obi which is what I would say to all of you guys it's such a relevant question um, is is two things to remember one our tendency in our fear of getting this wrong is to not do it at all so we are not salt and light because we're afraid we might be overly salty or overly light. In other right. words, the person will experience that whole agenda and things. So we just don't do it at <clears> all. <throat> that, that is yep. most of our conclusion. Yeah. And what I told him was, listen, yes, over time, I want us all to get to a place where we don't overly passionately salt, right? Because right. you can't really over salt or over light if salt and light is the gospel, but you can overly zealous pour it on. Right. You're like, right? Light! So I said to him, I would rather us lean into being overly salty and overly light than lean into not being salt and light. Right. So if you're afraid mm -hmm. that you're a little overzealous, don't worry about it. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. Roll in. But if you find yourself, I never really open any conversation to worldview stuff to challenging other people's things. If somebody says something to me that's absolutely just opposing to my belief system, I nod and smile, and that's very interesting, yeah. whether it's political, yeah. whether it's religious. I just don't engage in conversations unless they're about rainbows and puppy dogs. Right. Then I would argue you're really not being salt and light, right? Um, <clears throat> but if you sometimes find yourself overly passionate and the person gets a little off and, and you're like, then just do this. Just afterwards say, sorry. Like this stuff, I just, I'm super <laughs> passionate about this. It's, it's so changed my life. So I know I can yeah. be overbearing mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm, I'm sure I probably made you feel a bit like, oh my goodness, he's just trying to convince me. It's not my heart, mm -hmm. but, but man, this stuff matters to me. Yeah. So, you know, Obi, everybody else, um, I would challenge you to press into being salt and light without fear of being over salty and over light. And if you do sometimes do that, then just be honest about that with the person you're talking to. Right. But don't not do it because you're afraid of overdoing it. Yeah. I want everyone to understand the biblical clarities. I want everyone to know the gospel. I want everyone to have a biblical worldview. Why? Because then they'll be like me and they'll get, no, because it's <laughs> right. freedom, because it's life, because it's light, because it's eternality uh, of life, light, and freedom, mm -hmm. because it's a, it's, it's a clarity of purpose and, and wonder on this planet. Right. It, it gives you clarity of why things are hard and why things are easy. Or, or it, it gives you relational clarity in relationships. It, it yep. gives you space to press into things you really wouldn't and to not press into things you would that you shouldn't that don't lead to, to good things. 
I mean, the biblical worldview and clarity is an exceptional wonder to have, right. and I want everyone to have it. Right. Mm. But uh, yeah, uh, so I'd rather have you be over salty. Yeah, I, I would just say, you know, there, we talk here all the time about our, our purpose being very simple to know God and to make him known. And if our purpose is to make him known to others, then we should never turn that off. That said, what we can do is how we make him known through a lot of different avenues. Going and taking care of my neighbor is a way that I make him known. Bringing food to somebody is a way that I make him known. There's all kinds of ways that we make him known. Um, but two things to maybe encourage you with, Obi. Um, number one, I love your passion. I love that you're constantly posting scripture and throwing it out there on the radio and all kinds of stuff. But, but I would say that uh, one space that tends to not be overly salty is... Um, that people who are atheists or other uh, religious worldviews, whatever it is, they tend to respect prayer, right? So even if somebody's going through a hard time, they've got mm. a family member in the hospital, mm. whatever, being just saying, hey, either I'm praying for you or can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? Those are spaces that tend to not be super invasive and overly salty. Yeah. Um, and so, and what we often find is that... So that is always a safe place. Right. Offer prayer to people either I, I will be or how can I or can I now yep. and that is always generally a win of, of uh, on some level because it, it right. does communicate not agenda but care yeah, yeah. exactly I'm going to care about you in the way I know mm. how right exactly mm. and then the second thing is um, that there's been many times when um, somebody was off put by something that I said or did or whatever and then years later now all of a sudden they they're in a crisis in their life. They're in a space where hey, I need God for whatever because of whatever's going on in their life, and and because they knew that hey, I was that guy. Right now they're coming back to me, even though initially they may have been offended, been whatever you know whatever. Um, and so it, it's just an encouragement to you there, Obi. If somebody is offended by something you're doing right now because you feel like you've been overly salty, just know that now it's very clear to them that when they need God at that point, you're going to be the guy that they turn to. And, and you know, on that note, for all of you, I, I try to remember this in multiple categories of my life constantly because I know I do some things right sometimes, I do some things wrong sometimes in my zealous realities <laughs> of trying to do things, right? But I have a God who is the author of this entire story. I am right. not the author of this story. I have a God who cares more about every human than right. I ever will, including myself. I have a God who knows every human better than they know themselves. And I have a God that has a plan for history that he will see realized yeah. because his will cannot be thwarted by anyone or anything in heaven or on earth, right? right. So those are pretty big deals. Now that's a, now we're back to worldview again, actually. Right. <laughs> These are worldview realities I hold. So they right. shape my anxieties and my fears. They diminish them when I'm engaged in these spaces because if my thought was, if I get this wrong, this person's eternal destiny may be thwarted forever by my failure. That's going to shape the way I engage in these conversations. Mm. If I can't convince this person and they reject Jesus instead of accept him, I fail them and their eternality. That's going to shape my right. agenda. Yep. If I overdo it and they are offended and walked away, I live in fear and, and sorrow that I have somehow um, uh, changed any opportunity they'll ever have to come back to Jesus. Right. If these are sometimes the spaces I'm, I'm living in, then I don't understand a biblical worldview. So for right. me, I always remind myself, this person's current and future reality is in the hands of a very powerful, mm -hmm. very capable right. creator. And I am just privileged enough to be one small part of their story that he's going to use. Yeah. 
And whether I, I share the, you know, the kitchen, often the waffles, whether I burn the waffles or not, whether I mix it right or wrong, my privilege is that I'm in the kitchen with God in this moment. So when I'm engaging in a conversation about worldview, if my attitude is God is allowing me to participate in this person's story in life by exploring truth with them, then I'll come at it one way. If it is I better convince this person of truth, otherwise they're in trouble, then I'm both misunderstanding God's part in it and I will change the way I come at it. Yeah. So to yeah. your point, I think, remember that, man, God does have this. And we will do things today that we will leave this planet not realizing that yeah. God did and used in the future. And some mm-hmm. things we'll realize in the future. But I always walk away from the times I got it really right and the times I feel like I got it really wrong, yeah. just saying, God, that's what I had to offer. Yeah. Now you do with it what you and only you can do with right. it. Uh, and change people's mm. hearts. Because at the end of the day, the worldview we carry, this biblical worldview uh, of, of the gospel, there is a biblical clarity that human beings dead in soul cannot see this worldview rightly, even if intellectually they become convinced without an intervention from a supernatural God. Right. That he says, we are blind until he makes us see. Mm-hmm. We have no ability for belief in this without his right. gifting of faith. There's all these clarities. So I do come into all these conversations. When yeah. I'm having a political conversation about ideologies, <laughs> I may be able to convince you, you, me. But when I'm coming in with the gospel, mm-hmm. I will yeah. bring you truth, but only God himself can give you what yeah. you need to see and believe rightly. So that's good news to me because yeah. I'm like, dude, Canton won't try <laughs> to make not you. On you yeah. Not on me. Yeah. I think um, the conversation about about different things, how to share, when to share, and all of that. Recently, we went through Ephesians four twenty nine, and we kind of you know filtered how we should communicate with people through that. Um, it says, "Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear." Yeah. Um, and I think if that's the heart with, mm. w- that we come to with any conversation, whether it is um, totally spiritual and whether or not there is a God or whether it's totally political, um, which maybe the person you're talking to has no yeah. reference of God in that conversation, that, that we would come with that heart and yeah. trust the Holy Spirit to work in us and, mm. and to rely on him to help us to discern what to share at that time. Absolutely. Yeah. I couldn't have said it better. And, and I think at the end of the day, uh, this little piece of this five-week journey, I think what John would probably hope to try to help us understand is worldview matters a great deal. Mm-hmm. So we ought to know what ours is. And we ought to ask ourselves the hard questions we're preparing to ask mm-hmm. others about where and how we got this. We ought to take the time to explore that so we do know the Bible well enough and learn to abide well enough. And then with that, engage in other people's stories without an agenda to convince and bring answers, but with an agenda to learn, to listen, to challenge, mm-hmm. and then to share. Right. And the questions that he lays out in this video are a great start for questions that cause wondering. Right. How did you come to that conclusion? What causes you to believe that? How do you know that that's not wrong in these beautiful ways? So it's been a really good video for me, I think, again, reminding me of how well, God gives us opportunity to have hard conversations and opposing views in a way that he tells us to honor him versus mm-hmm. the way the world does it, which is just throw rocks, disagree, be divisive. Yeah. And so, man, let's be the people 
that in every yeah. category show the world how to do this because we have a God who's shown us. Yeah. yeah. And let's do it well. Yeah, and Paul wrote in Corinthians that knowledge puffs up but love builds up. And, mm. and it's so... Um, that doesn't apply at all to our day. <laughs> <laughs> we have it's, abandoned love yeah. and embraced <laughs> knowledge. Uh, no I, wonder. Yeah, so it, oh, gosh. if we lead with love, uh, I don't think we can ever be over salty, but that's just my opinion. That's and, a, that's a, that's, <laughs> I, will, I will concur with that opinion. So. Well, it's been a great lunch hour, Josh. Thank you yeah, so absolutely. much for thank joining us. Thanks for having us. me on. Yes. Glad to be here. Awesome. Thank you, Amanda, yes. for jumping in. You're welcome. We my love pleasure. it. <laughs> well, we're excited. We're we will send join Joel you. on vacation every other week <laughs> yeah. so that you can be Bye, with Joel. us. Uh, no, we love Joel. It'd be great to we have do. him back. I think he'll be back next week, and we'll be in episode three. Absolutely. Cool. Great awesome. to be with you guys. Awesome. Love you guys. Appreciate you guys. And we'll see you next week. See ya.